0: does it mean to think deeply as Catholic women today? And when you hear that question, do you worry that it means spending endless hours reading or writing academic papers? And do you wonder if pursuing the intellectual life isn't for you because you don't consider yourself a thinker? Or have you thought that maybe the intellectual life is maybe for another season of life when you're not as busy, not covered in barf, or at least getting a full night's sleep? Hey, welcome to Letters to Women. This is a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius. This is not about defining the quote-unquote one perfect way to be a Catholic woman or shoving yourself into a box or a set of expectations that you never feel like you're going to fit into. Instead, here you'll find conversations with women in every season of life and hear about how they're living out their own unique feminine genius. And this is all offered to you as an encouragement to discover more about who you are and how you are called to live out that feminine genius too. My name is Chloe Linger and I'm a Catholic wife and mom living in Kansas City. And I'm recording these conversations after my toddlers get tucked into bed after a full day of preschool and parks and playdates and approximately 32 times of reading Go Dog Go. And I'm beyond excited to sit down and have a deep, meaningful conversation with adults. But you know what? It's in these normal daily moments that I have seen the Feminine Genius Network. And our gifts and our talents as women are so worthy of exploration. And I love getting to share these conversations with you. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Rachel Bowman. She is the editor behind the newly released book With All Her Mind, A Call to the Intellectual Life. We are talking about the feminine genius and how that impacts both our affectivity and our intellect, what to do if the idea of growing in your intellectual life seems daunting, and what we can learn from the Blessed Mother as the seat of wisdom. So if you are a woman who wants to follow the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord with all your soul, and all your heart, and all your mind, sister, this letter is for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by the Little Catholic Box. It's a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, they curate beautiful and functional Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It is so much fun to be a subscriber, but it's also a blessing to artists and creators and small businesses whose items are featured. If you've ever needed a thoughtful and uncommon gift for a Catholic friend, a family member, or a loved one, be sure to check out what's available at thelittlecatholicbox.com. And don't forget to visit thelittlecatholicbox.com slash letters to check out this month's Letters to Women bonus. This year, The Little Catholic Box is offering something different every month for Letters to Women listeners. So head over to thelittlecatholicbox.com slash letters to see what this month's bonus is, and then be sure to check back each month for a new bonus for Letters to Women listeners. Today, I'm welcoming Rachel Bullman to the show. Rachel is a lover of humanity, especially her husband and their six children. She's written and hosted a television series for Catholic TV about Eucharistic miracles, and she appears with her family in the show Meet the Bullmans, currently airing on the Word on Fire Institute's YouTube channel. She serves on the advisory board of the Given Institute and frequently gives talks at retreats, conferences, and other gatherings. And in her spare time, she enjoys reading a good book, lifting weights, and perfecting her old-fashioned cocktail recipe. Rachel, welcome to Letters to Women. It is so much fun to have you on the show. Thank
1: you so much. such a joy to be here. Thank you.
0: So today we're going to be talking about the feminine genius and our intellectual lives as women. But before we dive in, and especially for people who are getting to know you for the first time in the conversation today, can you tell me a little bit more about your story as a Catholic woman?
1: Sure. So I was raised evangelical. I was actually adopted by missionaries when I was two weeks old. I was born in the Philippines and my parents were uh, missionaries in the Assemblies of God Church. So they adopted me and I was raised very devout in a very devout Bible believing Christian family. And so then I I pretty much rode that train for a very long time. I was very involved in ministry through youth and through young adulthood and then also in college. And when I got out of college, I actually happened to meet the man who later became my husband. And one of the things that came up during the time that we were dating was about him being Catholic. And so, long story short, meeting his family was kind of really this moment of meeting people that loved me just unconditionally. There was nothing that I needed to prove. And then someone challenged that. And they told me that Catholics weren't Christians. And I remember thinking, well, if anyone's a Christian, it's these people, like these people that just have welcomed me with open arms. And so then it kind of started this, this thing, this, this dialogue between uh, Jason and I, and I said, you know, there's no way we can both be right And so then on his bedroom floor at his parents' house, we said, we have to figure this out. And we really weren't even horribly serious at the time, but we were just talking about these really deep things. And then all roads lead to Rome. And so within the next uh, six, seven months, I had decided to really enter RCIA. I did that for about two months before I told him because I didn't want him to think that I was doing it for him. So (laughs) that was quite the adventure. So, but he was so excited. and, And then now, you know, so many years later, there were moments of me trying to fight against things that I thought were still remnants of, of Protestantism for me. Things that were so silly, like my own, even my own talents. Like I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to write because those were things that I did when I was Protestant. And so kind of reclaiming those as part of who I am and the talents that the Lord has given me, even within my Catholicity, has been something that, that actually made this book possible. And so it's been really a beautiful thing and then having six children and having this husband who this past year actually became a deacon. And so it's been a joyous ride. And it is hard being a Catholic woman, but it is worth all of the hardness, all of the abiding to what the church tells us to abide by because she desires our freedom. And it's, it's wonderful. Wouldn't want it any other way. And I think it's full circle because the Philippines are widely Catholic. And so for me to leave the Philippines and then in a way return back to that homeland is really beautiful through my Catholicism.
0: That is so beautiful. I love to Jason's family's witness of just acceptance and love and how that opened a door. What a beautiful witness to hospitality and family and loving others as they are. That's beautiful.
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you.
0: So you've recently edited a brand new book, and it's called With All Her Mind, A Call to the Intellectual Life, and it's published by Word on Fire. I would love to hear about the inspiration for this collection of of essays and what a reader would find when she cracks open the cover of the book
1: you know, there since 1995, I think, was when St. John Paul II wrote that letter to women. And in that letter, he kind of coined that phrase. He said the genius, the the feminine genius. And from that point on, there's been just a plethora of books that have kind of tried to define what the feminine genius is. And so everybody really has something to say about it. And the truth is, is that all those books are beautiful. I own many of them. I think anytime that something like that comes up, like in my inbox or in my Google search, is the new book on the feminine genius. I always want to hear what people are saying. But what I found is that all of these conversations really kind of focus on the heart, and a lot of them focus on her soul. Some of them focus on on her body, her capacity to carry life. But we haven't really talked much about the mind of the woman. And for me personally, when I, it's probably over the last five years that I really kind of took a deep dive into philosophy and theology and, and kind of went out of the gates of apologetics, which was really what brought me into the church and really captivated me in the beginning. And now that I've done this deeper dive, it's made me really realize that we have to talk about the mind. We have to talk about the intellectual life, that it engages so much of the wholeness of the person. And for us to be the fullness of the feminine genius, we have to talk about the mind. And in this book, for anyone that dares to pick it up because it is gorgeous. I hope that you Google it afterwards. They did such a good job with the cover and everything. It's gorgeous. And it's not the other thing about it. You know, when you look at a feminine genius book, sometimes not, not to knock feminine genius books. I told you guys, I've got a lot of those on my bookshelves, but you know often they're they're very feminine colors there's like lots of flowers and and very you know just feminine what the world would tell us is is quintessentially feminine and this book is not that a lot of times people have told me they said i looked at the cover and i thought this is the book that i want to read about the feminine genius from and so When you look inside of it, you're going to see a lot of popular Catholic women that we all love, like Sister Josephine, Sister Mary and James Hyland. You're going to see Haley Stewart, Tish Oxenreiter, Emily Simpson Chapman. And then you're going to see... Some other Catholic women that I'm just really excited to introduce you to. Uh, Susanna Spencer, she's actually the the theology editor for Blessed Is She. Uh, Jennifer Frey, who really kind of resides in academia, and she's a philosophy professor at the University of South Carolina. And then my favorite of all time is, sorry, everyone else that wrote the book, Dr. Tracy Rowland. She is a professor down in Australia, and she actually won the Ratzinger Prize for Theology recently, and to send her an email and ask her if she'd be willing to write the forward and her writing back and saying yes was was pretty much like top 10 moments in my life so But I think there's something in there for everybody. And you're going to see all of these women from different walks of life. Some are religious sisters. Some are in academia. Some are just popular Catholic speakers. Some of them are single. Some of them have been lay Benedictines. So you're going to read about how the intellectual life has informed all of their walks. And I think that every woman is going to find something in here to then inform their own desire to pursue the intellectual life. You know, when I first
0: heard about this book that was coming out, my first impression was like, oh my goodness, that looks so beautiful. But I wonder if this if this is for me, and you answer this in the book right out of the gate in the introduction. I'm wondering if women who are listening are, may have kind of the same feelings, like isn't that, is it the intellectual life for women who have fellowships or college degrees or maybe, maybe a full night of sleep under their belt? What advice or encouragement would you give to those women who are listening who worry like, maybe I'm just not cut out for the intellectual life?
1: Oh man, so... <laughs> I think the first and foremost, I would tell you to expand your understanding of the intellectual life. I think that when we hear that, we, we do, we, we say, well, how many letters are after that person's name? Or how many languages do they speak? That we've so confined intellectual life that it only has to do with something that's outside of yourself and really the intellectual life is already present within you we just have to unfold it and it does unfold in various ways i mean you're going to you're going to see the intellectual life in the face of your children you're going to see the intellectual life on your on your way to work you're going to see the intellectual life in in your moments of prayer and so we just really have to know that the intellect I mean, Aquinas called it a power of the soul. So when you use your pa- that power to then discern, determine something and then appropriate a response to that thing, you're using your intellect. And so we have to kind of expand what it is and then listen to the way that it's moving in our own lives. And really, if you expand your vision, you pursue it, then you really are going to have to just rein in the, the audacity to then say, you know what, like I'm doing it. Like you're already doing this in this book is really going to give you some other people that are doing it as well. The other thing that I would also encourage you is that I have edited this book with women that are profound and amazing. They've written more books than me. And the other thing is that as a, as people are picking this up, they're realizing that I I don't have a ton of degrees. I recently actually contributed to a book that will be a textbook on anthropology and philosophy. And when the editor of that book emailed me back, they said, what are your, can you email me back your bio and your credentials? And I kind of laughed because I was like, I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> So I wrote back and I said, all of my study is just because I love it. It's not because someone gave me a degree. Now, would I love to do that one day? Yes. If the opportunity arises and everything falls into place where the circumstances are good for me to pursue higher education in that way, I would love to do that. But right now, my pursuit of learning is really grounded in just a love for it. So whatever you love, I promise that there is an opportunity to expand and pursue the intellectual life there.
0: To pursue what you love and there is the intellectual life. And I think that is such an invitation into a knowledge of who you are and who God is. Um, and I loved how you talked about how the intellectual life is already within you. It's not something that's out there that you have to go get or you have to be worthy of, but instead a process of discovery. That's really beautiful. In the first couple pages of the book, you mentioned Our Lady as the seat of wisdom. Can you tell me a little bit more about that Marian title and what it means for Catholic women today?
1: Oh, man. So that is now my favorite title for Our Lady. And the first time that I read it was actually in the document Fides et Ratio, which is faith and reason from JP2. And he actually uses it in the closing paragraphs of that. And he, he invokes the name of the Blessed Mother. And then he said that an, an early Christian authors actually called her the table at which faith sits in thought. And so the first time that I read that, and I sat with the thought of, of Mary as the seat of wisdom, of the place where we sit and thought, it dawned on me that if, if, if philosophy means lover of wisdom, philosophia, and God is wisdom itself, and Christ is then God incarnate, then no one loves wisdom as much as Mary, which would then make Mary the first philosopher. And actually, uh, Dr. Peter craig just wrote a book about this. He just wrote a book called The Greatest Philosopher of All Time. I keep tell- telling uh, friends that I'm going to email him and say, listen, <laughs> I thought of that. Um, she, so if she's the first true philosopher, the first one that really loved wisdom in a way that then calls us all to then love wisdom the same. Then every time that we imitate the archetype of femininity, then we're also imitating the best example of good philosophy. And so for us to then call her the seat of wisdom is then an invitation for us to then sit there, to then think, and to then love God. And so no matter what our state, our vocation, or our career We're called to imitate Mary. We're called to to love her. And as we love her, we're loving her son. And in loving her son, we all become philosophers.
0: I would love to get really practical, nitty gritty with you because the intellectual life is for, is for every woman. The feminine genius is for every woman. It, it is something that exists within study halls and and in the library. But what does it practically look like to dive into the intellectual life to foster that practically in our in our vocations, especially as wives and as mothers?
1: Sure, I think that wives and mothers have a particular understanding of it, and really anyone that then exercises the desire to be parent, which is, I mean if you, if you help a friend, that's, that's also exercising this vocation of parent, it might not be the concrete uh, incarnation of it, but you're still exercising aspects of it. And so I think in those places, you're going to find three things. I think you're going to find wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R, wonder, and you're going to find why, and then you're going to find a how, and I think that when you when you are pursuing those three things, you're pursuing the intellectual life, and and children are like the front row seat for that. I mean, if you've been around any kid like between the age of five and seven, you get asked why. Maybe even three or four, if they've got a really expansive vocabulary, they're asking you like why and how and like why why again and where and and so if you're sitting there beneath this this person who then is really wonder. In and of themselves, you're then also practicing the pursuit of the intellectual life. So just being a parent, just being with other people, sitting in in whatever questions they have, you're practicing intellectual life. So it's not just found in books, it's found in the faces of the people that are around you. It's found in the faces of your coworkers, it's found in in the hymns that they sing at church. It's found in whatever prayer style prayer you're pursuing. There is an opportunity to then to then think. To allow not just the movements of your heart to direct you, but then to also engage the intellect into those movements so that you can discern what the Lord is calling you to do. And then will those things do, do an action, do something with them. And so it really comes down to recognizing that you're doing it all the time. If we can then gain an awareness of our intellect in action, our intellect discerning our intellect like thinking our intellect like then pondering something answering the why's the hows then you're gonna know that number one you're already doing it and you can if you realize that you're doing it you're going to then look for more opportunities to deepen that and to practice it more fruitfully so like for instance if my kid is kind of interested in the trees that are in my backyard I always tell my my son came in the other day he said well can I be a priest and also a bird watcher I was like yes. You could do both of those things. But then because he loves it and because I love him, I also want to know about birds. And so in a way I'm practicing my intellectual life. It might not be the thing that I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to study the, the thoughts of Aquinas that day, but I am going to look and know every bird that flies through my backyard. And so there, we just have to expand it and know that we're doing it already.
0: Yeah. I think so often when it comes to parenting I had thought, well, by the time that I parent a five-year-old, I'm not, I'm a couple of years away from that. Like then I'll just, I'll be able to teach them everything that five-year-old would need to know because I'll know it already. I'll be set. And what I've found right. as a parent is that I don't really know anything. And, <laughs> it's, so <true>. and um, <laughs> it's been so beautiful and humbling to realize how often I have to also be the student right alongside my kids. Oh, yeah. Like the tree example. That's such a good one. My one and a half year old is fascinated with bugs right now. And Rachel, I hate bugs. Um, But gosh, <laughs> dang it. I'm learning so much about bugs. Right. And yes. What it, yeah. Is it the subject matter that I love? Absolutely not. Actually, i still I right. still hate bugs. But that openness, the littleness of getting getting into whatever season of life you're in and just learning and being open to just being a continuous learner of others around you, being a student of others around you, but also just, yeah, like the practical daily stuff that I haven't touched since I was in first grade.
1: It's so true. I don't think we put enough thought into the fact that one of the things that John Paul II would do often was call things school. Like this is a school of love. This is a civilization of love. And and your position in that school is changeable. Like you are the pupil, but you're also the teacher and your ability to be both is actually the exercise of humility. And so it's really a calling that we have to do. And children really make great teachers. Sometimes they teach me about, about myself, things that I don't want to know. So,
0: (laughs) but it's a great school. (laughs) Solidarity. There are many lessons that sound very similar to that going on in our house. (laughs) In this book, there's so many beautiful essays on so many great topics when it comes to fostering the intellectual life. Uh, and so many by names that you've mentioned, women who listen to podcasts or read books within in the Catholic sphere are going to recognize. But tell me about how editing with all her mind helped you grow in an appreciation of the feminine genius of the women who shared an essay in this book. What did that look like as the editor of this project?
1: Well, it was, I was trying to write my, like my superstar list of women that I would love to write this essay for. And the way that it worked was that I took all these names and I kind of prayed through the things that I knew about their ministries and the things that I feel like they could teach me and the things that I've already, some of them had already taught me, but things that I really wanted them to expound upon. And then I sent them an email asking them to, to contribute, but then giving them kind of like a one-liner, like maybe you could write about this thing. And they wrote these essays that are just mind boggling. I mean, that are going to, they could change the world. Like I hope that my daughters, my youngest one right now is is 16 months old. I hope that she's picking it up when she's old enough to sit down with it. And I think that they're going to, they're, they're going to stay around to inspire generations to come. And one of the other things that I love about the Blessed Virgin Mary, and just the thought when I sit and, and pray with her is the fact that her womb made possible for something that was unreachable to then be reachable for the world. And I think that all of these women exercise that in their own completely unique way that someone that Jennifer Frey took the thought of leisure and that people weren't going to think about that. They didn't think they could even, even reach and understand what leisure really meant. And she brought it down and made it tangible for people that Elizabeth Scalia could take her experience as a, a lay Benedictine and something that a lot of us will never experience, but then made it reachable for for us. And so many of the other authors that really took things that their own wisdom and incarnated it for everyone that's going to read this book, you're going to meet all of these people that it really kind of looks like we all sat in a room together and wrote the book at the same time. Like the continuity that exists between all of these essays, it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just weaved something beautiful that I think hopefully will be in the hands of women for many years to come.
0: I think a testament to what you were saying earlier about how the intellectual life, discovering more of that by discovering what you love and diving deeper into that is so beautiful throughout as I'm just looking through the contents of this book. Tish Oxenreiter, Writing on the Mind of Writing. I love reading what Tish has to say about writing. And so it was so beautiful to yes. see her dive into in an essay form, something that because I've read her so- her elsewhere or listened to her podcast, it's like, of course she would write that essay. That's perfect. She loves writing. And so it was really beautiful to see. And this was the case with all of the women who, I was, who I've read their essays. It's like, oh, that makes total sense. They are so passionate about that, um, that it just mm-hmm. felt like such a natural fit for them to write on that subject.
1: Yeah, I mean, I as I was going through and giving them each the the different topics, I was I was like waiting on pins and needles for some sort of reply. Like, I don't want to write about that. Every single one of them was like, "Oh, yes, I can definitely write on that." And so the just their thoughts that came together, I swear they could have each been a book in and of itself if we would have been able to unleash that many words.
0: <laughs> one thing I'd like to dive to dive deeper into with you. It, you use this word wonder, and that is such a good a phrase I think when it comes to the antidote of what today's culture gives us when it comes to the intellectual life, which is this glorification of being busy. There's so many options that we have for when it comes to distracting ourselves during the day. How do we cultivate that sense of wonder and curiosity in our lives as Catholic women? What does it look like to slow down? So often when we think like, oh, I could I could read more. Maybe that's something that I love, but I don't have any time for that. There's no place for that to fit in or to fill in the blank of whatever someone who's listening they might love, but have this, like, ah, there's no margin for that in my day. Oh, what would your advice be there?
1: You know, I think you, you have to find the right thing and then love it for the sake of itself. So I never would have imagined that I was going to, to read certain topics. But once I found one essay within that topic that then captured my attention, it kind of opened up a wellspring and so then you you if you find one thing that you love i promise that it will open other other gates the other thing is that this pursuit of wonder to really just sit we have to allow ourselves to do that sometimes we're kind of in a race that whatever we're doing whether it's listening to a podcast or you're reading a book or you're trying to get your kid to whatever practice it happens to be on that tuesday it's always feels like a race and so we have to take greater control over the fact that it doesn't have to be a race. So even this morning, I I was telling my husband last night before bed, I'm in the middle of editing my next book and it feels like there's not enough time. You know, I don't have enough time to edit this book. And so I went to bed kind of explaining to him and lamenting to him, "I'm, I'm running out of time. And as I went to sleep, I thought, I can't really complain about running out of time if I choose to not then make time. And so when my alarm clock went off this morning at five, I set it for 4.59 just to see if that would like trick my mind. Um, It didn't just so in case anyone wants to try that. But I thought to myself, when my alarm goes off tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up. And so the inspiration then was that not that, that I don't have time, but that I can make time with what I have. And so we just have to sometimes get creative and women, guys, we are creative. We literally have creativity built into our bodies. So you have the ability to create time and it's just what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And so you have to say yes to the opportunity to wonder. And if you make that time, there's going to be time to wonder. So you're not racing to to soccer practice, but you're able to walk through the parking lot so that your kid can say, mom, look at that sky and then be beckoned in to wonder. And so if you, can, if you can create life, you can also create some time to make space to then wonder and pursue the intellectual life.
0: Tell me a little bit about where listeners can pick up a copy of With All Her Mind, A Call to the Intellectual Life, and also where they can connect with you online and lear- learn more about your other books that you have coming out soon.
1: Sure. So you can pick up With All Her Mind on Amazon. You can also grab it from wordonfire.org slash With All Her Mind. And if you want to learn more about me or follow along, I tried to make that really easy. So on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook, it's just at Rachel Bullman. And you can also visit my website, rachelbullman.com. And I hope that if you pick up this book that you will reach out and let me know. If you enjoyed it, if you hated it, reach out then too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, I have one last question for you in our our time together tonight. And this is something that I've asked every woman who comes on the show. um, And it's this one. How do you live out the feminine genius in your everyday life, especially as a woman who's encouraging other women to love the Lord with all their heart and their soul and all their mind?
1: So right now, like we said earlier in the podcast, I have, I have six children and a husband that is a deacon, and he's also a practicing physician assistant. So it's very busy in the house, and we're very involved in our local parish. And of course, our kids have some extracurricular activities. And so the way that I try to make sure that we're exercising all of these things in my feminine genius is, of course, by, by first caring for myself my relationship with the Lord. And so that really takes place in in whatever reading I can kind of snatch through the day, whether that's like in the car line, or I'm listening to a podcast as I'm washing the dishes, or I'm praying the rosary as I'm rushing everybody off to school. And we also pray the liturgy, the hours together in the morning and in the evening. And then the other thing is that then caring for my spouse and allowing him to care for me. So being able to kind of contain... Uh, maintain this relationship with him that consists of open communication, like me being able to say to him, wow, I don't have time. And him being able to say to me, the Lord's going to take care of us or him telling me about the hard day with all the patients and me telling him the Lord's going to take care of us. So being a, a a child of God, being a spouse to my husband and then being a mother to my my children. And so when all those things are, are kind of lined up and leading towards the other, that's how I'm really exercising it. And the truth is, is that if any of those things are suffering, if I'm not being a good mom and, and I'm raising my voice a lot, or if I feel like I'm losing my patience, or if I am not listening to my husband, I'm not going, being a good spouse, then really I have to be a child of God. And so it's kind of pulling myself away from that and putting myself at the feet of the Lord and allowing him to then love me. And more than all of that, one of the greatest things, one of the the wisest things that we've we've been talking a lot about here and in our own household is that the day-to-day things can become difficult, but I've realized that the day-to-day things are not difficult if my heart is not hard. And so lately, like right now in this second, my prayer every day has been that the Lord would take away this hard heart and give me my natural heart. And, and I really think that pursuing all of those things of the feminine genius, my soul and my mind. And then renewing my heart is the way that we do it here every day in our home.
0: Rachel, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for this beautiful book and for coming on the show and chatting about it. This has been wonderful.
1: Thank you so much, Chloe. It's been wonderful. And thank you for everything that you're doing for the church.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. You can check out the show notes for this conversation with Rachel on my website, letters to letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player for links to get a copy of With All Her Mind, A Call to the Intellectual Life. You can find Rachel online and you can watch episodes of Meet the Bullman's. In the show notes, you're also gonna find a link to the Little Catholic Box. That's a sponsor for today's episode. And finally, you're gonna find a link to sign up for my newsletter, which is Naptime Notes. So every month I share what I'm reading, what I'm listening, to on repeat, and these little shifts that are making a big difference in the Langer House. That newsletter is totally free. Uh, but if you'd like to, you can subscribe at $5 a month, and then you get early and ad free access to all of the Letters to Women podcast episodes before they go live. If you listen to this podcast and you love the conversations and the guests of the show, please leave a rating interview, especially if you're listening via iTunes. And if you know a woman who would love to grow in her intellectual life and would really enjoy this conversation with Rachel, Please send this episode her way and don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you do not miss any future episodes and there's an upcoming conversation on theology of the body and art and I cannot wait to share it with you soon if you've ever wanted to share about a guest that you would really like to see on the show or share your experience as a listener you can send me an email at letters to women at gmail.com I would love to connect with you and that's all I have for today's episode so until next time be not afraid